Again, why did I ever think this was a good idea? Welcome to the Rise and Run podcast. Join our group of Run Disney friends as we talk about running at Walt Disney World and beyond. We'll discuss recent runs, training, upcoming races, and surprise topics suggested by you, our listeners. Well, the alarm's gone off, so let's go. Hey gang, it's Britt from the North Pole. Thank you for joining us from all around the globe to talk about Run Disney and Beyond on the Rise and Run podcast. Thank you, Britt from the North Pole. If indeed you are still from the North Pole, I know Britt was heading down to Orlando. Don't know if she's there yet or not. I know she sent us that intro a little while back and we just got to it. But thanks, Britt. Whether you're still in the North Pole, whether you're in sunny central Florida, we are happy to hear from you. Hello, my friend, and welcome to episode 59 of the Rise and Run podcast. Hey, are you out in the middle of a turkey trot? If you are, glad we're along with you. I'm Bob. I'm here tonight with Greg. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. With Alicia. Hello. And with John. Hey, how you doing? I shouldn't leave you to last, John, because I always want to answer. I'm doing great, John. I'm doing okay, it. good. That's all that matters. <laughs> uh, not with us tonight, Allie, Lexi, and Jack. We hope to have them back pretty soon. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone, as, uh, as my co-hosts have said already. We're glad you're sharing part of your holiday with us. And I really mean it. I hope some of you are out doing some turkey trots and going to send us some race reports telling us all about them. We'll get to that at the end of the program as usual. And we've got some guests for you tonight. We've got from Give Kids the World. We've got DJ. He's going to tell us about fundraising for Give Kids the World, fundraising for Run Disney events in general. Pretty interesting chat with DJ. Kind of fun talking with him. He's also going to tell us about the night of a of a million. I almost said a thousand. I was off by a power of uh, 10 cubed there almost. I think my math is right. But yeah, neat stuff. Neat stuff. Neat interview with DJ. We're going to replay an interview we had, oh golly, almost a year ago now, exactly, with, uh, with Brittany Charbonneau telling us how she won all four events at Run Dopey. It's been a while. Our audience has grown. We have a lot of new listeners since then. So some of you may not have had a chance to hear that one. Brittany is just a terrific interview. So whether you didn't hear it before or if you are had heard it and you're hearing it for the second time, we think you'll enjoy it. And finally, in our race report spotlight, our buddy Kent, the Ultraman, is going to tell us about his the 75 miles he ran in 20 hours in Virginia. All right, my friends, I, I've got to start apologies and alibis. This one, I get a kick out of it. I don't know if you guys do this or not. When you listen to the episode and you hear yourself, you go, did I really say that? Well, in the race report, I talked about a run around the USS Alabama at Battleship Park. And I told everybody how that was in Mobile, Illinois. I don't know if there is a Mobile, Illinois. <laughs> and, and the funny thing, it makes it even worse. Golly, I lived in Alabama for about 30 years. 
been to Mobile on multiple occasions, been to Battleship Park a couple times, been on board the USS Alabama a couple times, and somehow I placed it in Mobile, Illinois. Uh, not sure how I did that, but that's my apology for the evening. To the good people in Southwest Alabama, yes, I do in fact know where Mobile is. Hey, friend, we are just, it's getting there. Less than six weeks to Marathon Weekend. When this episode drops, we will be six weeks away from 5K Day. So we're six weeks to Marathon Weekend. Princess Weekend, six weeks after that. Princess Weekend is 12 weeks away. Let's take a look on the training schedule. The long run for Princess this weekend is six and a half miles. So those miles are starting to increase a little bit. And if you were doing the Dopey Challenge, this is the first, I think it's the first four day where you do your 45 minutes on Thursday, then a four miler, then a 10 miler, then a 23 miler. I don't know if you had one of those before or not, but I know after you, this, after you do this one, there is only one more long rehearsal weekend left. And that comes, I think, the week prior to Christmas. Um, let's chat about that for a minute. It's, it is no doubt a challenge. And I believe if you look in the Galloway plan, it says you've got your 45 minutes on Thursday, 30 to 45 minutes, as you typically do. Then it's going to say to have a four-mile walk, a 10-mile walk, and a 23-mile run, walk, run. Always get the same questions. Do I have to walk the four and the 10? The straight-up answer, of course, is no. but in talking with Coach Chris Twiggs and having conversations with Jeff about that, they are going to strongly encourage you to walk those two days. And here's the reasoning behind it. There's, there's the biggest reason behind it is it's not your race weekend. You're developing endurance by spending the time on your feet and walking the distance. And don't forget, you're going to do these four days in a row and then you're going to pick the training back up again on Tuesday. So you don't want to be, you don't want to have your legs too tired. You don't want to run the risk of injury as you pick up that training again. So the topic even came up this morning in the customized training plan discussion. Uh, you know, it gets really boring walking for 10 miles. Yeah, but the recommendation was go ahead and do it and at the most Instead of doing, instead of interrupting your runs with walks, think of interrupting your walks with runs if you need to throw in some kind of run in there. Do what uh, we collectively have come to call gwinning. Yep, gwinning. In honor of our buddy Kevin Gwynn, who, who made up that term himself, because what he'll do is he'll walk, uh, what does he do, Greg? He'll run maybe 10 seconds out of every two minutes. It's a, uh, it's a casual run for 30 seconds. Oh, 30 seconds. And for yeah, 30 seconds, but again, you're you're not overexerting yourself by any means whatsoever and then you follow that up with a 2-minute walk. 2-minute walk, yeah. Yep. So in, instead of instead of uh interrupting your runs with walk breaks, you're interrupting your walk with run breaks and they're casual run breaks. What you can do if you're running in like in your neighborhood and you're running on your sidewalk, run across the intersections. There's yeah. good little breakups right there. Another thing that I recommend to runners when you have those really long walks is sometimes we don't take the time to 
see what's around us um, or appreciate the animals and the different things. So just take the time to look around you and see what you can find. Sometimes you'll see something that you've lived in the same place for a long time and never knew was there because you took the time to pay attention. So it's fun to see see what's out there. Alicia, I like that. That's pretty That's pretty cool. In In my case, I can probably check the different license plates as they go by on the road. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what happens in Florida. The leaves don't change colors. The license plates do. We get Ontario and New Hampshire and Michigan and yeah, anyway. And as you go on these walks, you know, the other thing that you can focus on, you know, to help break things up, because again, you know, you're going for a 10 mile walk, you know, that's going to take a chunk of time. You know, just how we talk about cadence drills, you know, and we've also talked about, you know, how do I improve my walking pace? This is the time to practice that, you know, those cadence drills that Galloway has do the exact same thing, but apply it to walking, you know, a fast walk using all those tips that Bob has given you guys over the course of the past couple of months. You do that for 30 seconds and then you just, you know, ease back into a more normal walking pace. And that really might help you do that. And, and I will say personally now, my schedule is a little off because of uh, how I'm approaching my last simulation weekend that I'm actually doing in two weeks. So I've I've actually already done this simulation. And the one thing that I noticed is when I was doing my three, six and 10 mile walks is because I was so focused on the walking. I was just inadvertently increasing my walking pace. Oh yeah. You know, it's one of those things where like, you know, maybe those first couple of miles, sure. Maybe I was in like the 17 minutes or, or, or something like that, where if you're doing a more casual walk with your family or something like that, you're probably in the like the 19 to 21 minute range. But if you decide to put a little bit more focus on it, you'll be really, really surprised where you can get. And I know sometimes I can get a sub 16 minute, you know, mile just walking. And obviously, as we know, as it relates to run Disney, that can be really beneficial. Positively 100%. As, as you know, I learned to walk very fast because I was not able to run for a long time. But the first time I noticed that was doing exactly what you said, just concentrating on my walking. And as I did that, the pace started to pick up. So yeah, good point, Greg. Thank you. Walking uses your muscles a little different than running. So yes, it does. Yes. John. Yes, so it does. you're going to, so you might feel a little different in your body after those uh, walks. So it's something to get used to because, uh, most of us that are doing dopey are told to walk the half. and I can tell you exactly where, you're, where you will feel it. In, in the gluteus maximus muscles. Yes. If you start walking at a quicker pace, that's where you're going to feel it. And it's not a big deal. It's, it's delayed onset muscle soreness. And in some ways, that's your body telling you, yep, you're doing it right. You're picking up the pace and you're doing it correctly. So two things I want to bring up. Uh, the first is... As it relates to doing all of these runs, if you need to take breaks, whether it's a scheduling thing or an elemental thing, you know, say it's very, very cold, like you all talked about last week. Again, you can take those breaks. You know, the rule of thumb that we've gone from coach Chris Twiggs and Jeff Galloway is that you get the same endurance benefit as long as you restart your exercise within two hours of you stopping part one and i know this works because our good friend devin 
over at FitFab Disney on Instagram. She did her simulation week a week early. And for those of us up here in the Northeast, we all know how frigidly cold it was. And I know between water bottles freezing and her phone, you know, seizing up and her Apple watch and everything like that, she needed to go back into her house several times. So again, you're still getting that same endurance benefit, even if you do have to take these breaks to help break up the walks or break up the runs. And then the last thing I'll mention too, is I know this conversation about the simulation weekend has been very dopey focused, but for those of you that are doing goofy, this is also a simulation for you. Um, obviously you would have your traditional Thursday run. Now, obviously you'll, you'll be getting a break on Friday, but then you have 10 mile walk and 23 mile run walk. But again, everything that we've talked about, just because it, we've been talking dopey, the same thing applies to goofy as well, too. It does. Friend, if you're at this point, you're almost there. You, it's that gold is within sight. And you should be feeling very good about yourself. So just hang in there. You got this one. Then you should have two weeks where the long run, and I haven't looked at it, probably six, maybe seven miles. I don't know. Then you have your final rehearsal. Should be two weeks. And then I'll see you down there. So you're getting there. You're, oh my God, you're almost there. (laughs) And I'm not screaming that from the sideline like, uh, the spectators are at the four mile mark. You're almost, no, you really are. You really are almost there. It's a daunting training weekend, but you can do it. You got yourself to this point. Let's get those last two tough ones in. You can do it. Okay, my friend, let's take a look here. You know, it was just a few weeks ago that we had an episode dedicated to fundraising and to reaching your fundraising goals at Disney. And we've got a guest Greg, why don't you tell us who's here tonight? A few weeks ago, we had a wonderful conversation about various ways to fundraise if you are running Disney on behalf of a charity. And while we received some incredible insights from our friend Peter Brookhart over at the Brookhart Project on YouTube, um, that episode was actually supposed to feature some other voices. And unfortunately, Hurricane Ian foiled those plans. Um... But now that we're officially entering the holiday season, um, especially, you know, with Giving Tuesday uh, coming up uh, this Tuesday, we wanted to highlight the organization that our next guest works for. We would like to welcome DJ Colosi, the development coordinator at Give Kids the World. DJ, thank you so much for coming on Rise and Run. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me. Happy to be here. Awesome. Well, you know, As I've talked about on this podcast several times, Give Kids the World holds a special place in my heart. And like I said, I know we've talked about several times on the podcast, uh, but for those listeners who might be new or have never heard of Give Kids the World before, can you give us a brief history about the organization and then also the village as well, too? Yeah, absolutely. So Give Kids the World Village, we are an 89-acre whimsical nonprofit resort here in Kissimmee, right around the corner from all the major parks, Disney, SeaWorld, Universal. Um, Basically, we are here to serve the Wish families. If you've ever heard of of Make-A-Wish or the other uh, wish-granting organizations that work with critically ill children and their families, Um, basically, you know, you have a a, what we call critically ill child. They could have an illness that spans a, a wide spectrum and make a wish or another wish granting organization will say, Hey, to to the parents, Hey, we think your child is eligible for a wish. And around 70% of um, wish kids domestically, um, 
their wish can be covered by going to Central Florida, whether that be go to Disney go to meet Mickey Mouse or be a princess for a day or swim with dolphins at SeaWorld or see Wizarding World of Harry Potter, you name it. Around 70% of those wishes can be fulfilled by coming to Central Florida. So we are a nonprofit resort dedicated solely to um, serving those families. When they come on their wish trips to Central Florida, Give Kids the World is, is where they stay. Now, we are much more than just where they come to sleep at every night um, because a lot of the families, basically, they come down and, again, the kids' illnesses, they could cover a wide range. Some of them come down here and just the travel alone, the plane ride, it, it takes a lot out of them. So they might not feel up to going and dealing with all the craziness of, you know, the Magic Kingdom and, and dealing with all of that. So we have enough fun stuff here on property and I like our own characters. We have nightly parties. We literally have um, like small kitty attractions here on property. We have enough here so that the kids, even if they don't make it to the theme parks, um, them and their families will still feel that we delivered um, on fulfilling their wish. Um, we do have uh, quite a long history. I'll try to give like the shortest version possible. We were formed in 1986 by our founder, Mr. Henry Landworth. He did pass away um, just a couple years ago in 2019, but his legacy definitely still lives on. Um, basically, he was a Holocaust survivor. He and his sister, Margot, they bounced around concentration camps for a couple years. Oh, wow. And he really felt that from that experience, his childhood was robbed of him. And now he didn't have the personal connection to pediatric illness like the kiddos that we serve. But given his experience um, bouncing around concentration camps, you know, he really he felt he didn't have a childhood. He vowed that no child should have to feel like that. So that's why he took it upon himself decades later when he was running some hotels in central Florida that he would work with Make-A-Wish. So they would frequently send their families to him to stay when they went on their wish trips. Um, eventually there was one young girl named Amy who make a wish called. They said, Hey, can you host this wish child and her family? He said, yeah, absolutely. Um, don't have any vacancy right now, but if you want to wait a week and send her, you know, we can do that. Sadly, not to, not to take a dark turn in the interview, but Amy didn't make it to see her wish trip. You know, she, she didn't make it that far. So that hit Henry very hard. He vowed that that would never happen again. So then he kind of retooled his whole career, um, getting out of the hotel business to, to, you know, make, make a profit, but then start give kids the world village, make that his, you know, his career by, by forming this nonprofit to serve the wish families. Ever since then, it's ballooned to what it is today. Originally, he um, was operating out of the, ho the hotel that he owned here in central Florida. He then bought um, our land where it is now much, much smaller and built a couple villas. And now since it's ballooned to this, like I said, um, 91 acre, massive, awesome resort where, you know, we can host up to 166 families. We have hosted close to 180,000. I believe it's, um, we've welcomed more than 178,000 families at this time. And we are really as busy as we've ever been. It was a, a you know, a very, very slow incline coming out of COVID. You know, when we came back from COVID, we, we were shuttered for a couple months. We were hosting the numbers of families in the single digits, but now we are back um, hosting more than we ever have before. So we're excited to be back. Um, and that's why, you know, fundraisers like this, you know, like our Run Disney program are, are so crucial because every penny that we raise as a nonprofit, um, you know, it counts. It, it really counts toward, you know, helping out our families. Well, you just provided me an amazing segue. The last two years, um, last year I ran Goofy on behalf of Give Kids the World. This year I'm doing Dopey and... I could give my own laundry list of benefits, but from your perspective, DJ, what are the benefits of running Disney on behalf 
of get not just give kids the world, but any any organization that does offer a charity bib. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, like a lot of people, even if you're not running for Give Kids the World, you know, if you're running for American Cancer Society or St. Jude, you know, it's an awesome opportunity. Um, basically, the, it's a great opportunity because all the money that you raise goes directly. There's really no administration fee for running with us. The way that it, it kind of works itself out is say that you want to run um, the, the Marathon Weekend 5K with us. What I have you do is I have you pay $100 up front to cover the registration fee. That's basically the same as what you would pay Disney if you're going to register directly through Run Disney. Um, then what happens is you're not t- totally registered for the race yet. What you've done is you've secured your your place in the race, but I'm not, I haven't sent you the actual registration link yet. What I do is I kind of hold that registration link hostage until you've hit um, you know, what I refer to as the minimum fundraising goal. So for the 5K, that minimum fundraising goal would be $500. That $100 registration fee, that counts toward the goal. So that leaves $400 mm-hmm. remaining. So then what you would do is once you would raise that additional $400, making it $500, I would then send you your link to register. Um, I bring that up to answer your question because, again, there's there's no like administration fee or anything. That $400 that you raised additionally for us, that's just straight donation that goes directly you know, to helping the families. You talked about a little bit ago when you were giving us the the brief history of you know the village and and the the formulation of the organization. You know, you said out of coming out of COVID, you know, there was you know single digits in terms of the families. But one of the really neat fundraising opportunities that came out of COVID was your night of a million lights. And I know uh, you have transitioned things a little bit this year, especially since it's a very welcome sight that the village, you know, is back up and running, you know, at full speed. Um, For those who might be going to Disney over this holiday season or Universal or any of the other Orlando attractions, or maybe you're going down for Marathon Weekend, but you decide that, you know what, I want to spend New Year's um, down in Central Florida Talk about the Night of a Million Lights initiative um, that you folks have uh, and how that that also helps benefit Give Kids the World. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. So Night of a Million Lights is running from now, like from when we're talking right now, through January 1st of 2023. And it is um, the holiday light event, walkthrough event that is um, hosted over at um, our lovely partner of Island H2O Water Park over in Kissimmee, just right down 192 uh, 192 from where the village is, Uh, about 25 minutes, depending on traffic. I'll give a little bit of backstory for for a little bit of clarification, because I'm sure that a a lot of the listeners um, are either local or have been to Night of Million Lights in the past. Basically, like you said, Night of Million Lights started two years ago. Um, The village was closed in December of 2020. We were still closed at that time. And we had the idea for Night of Million Lights as to be an event where um, outsiders could come and walk through the village when we set up a ton of lights and just a whole walkthrough experience. The reason why that appealed to so many people was because we're very, very protective of the village. Really, the only way that outsiders can really come into the village is if you're signed up to volunteer, which I could go on a whole diatribe about volunteering. That's that's an interview for another time. But basically, this was the first time that we had opened up the village to the public. So it opened to rave reviews in 2020. I I believe uh, USA Today named it the number one thing to do in December in Orlando. And it was a huge hit. Um, So then fast forward one year to 2021, we were at about half capacity. So about about 50% um, for having our families back. So what we did was we consolidated all the families over to one side. 
of the property. And then the other side we kept um, with all the villas vacant so that we could host Night of a Million Lights on that half of the property. That's because we didn't want the foot traffic of all of these um, different outside guests to disturb, um, you know, the, the families who we had on property just so that, you know, they're the, they still had like the authentic village experience, like they're in their own little, little bubble. Um, so then fast forward to this year. And as I was saying, um, you know, a couple moments ago, we are busier than we've literally ever been. Like we are at capacity. Now that is a problem in terms of hosting night of a million lights, but it is a very, very good problem, a very, very good spot to, to be in. Because again, we Absolutely, want to yep. as many families as we can at the end of the day. So, but we still wanted to host lights. It was such a successful event. This was such a success with the public. We were thinking, well, how can we do this? And the only real answer was have it off site. So Island H2O, um, they're a much newer partner of ours. They were, they've been amazing to work with. And they actually approached us because they were, like, like I said, they're right down the road and they were looking to get uh, much more involved with their community outreach. So we've partnered with them. We are hosting a walkthrough light att- attraction experience over there at Island H2O. And like I said, it's it's awesome. It looks a whole lot different, obviously, from the last two years just because it's in a totally different place. Um, but uh, it's, like I said, I think everyone, if haven't given the chance to try to come and, and come out and take it take a peek at it. There's a lot of different stuff going on there. The kiddos can meet Santa. We have different live entertainment every evening. Um, you can make s'mores. Um, it's just it's just a great time. So I recommend anyone who's able to come out. We do have discounts available for groups of 25 or more. Yeah, so if anyone does want more information on Night of Million Lights at Island H2O this year, you can go ahead and visit www.gktw.org slash lights. It looks like such an amazing event. And I will say, I think Give Kids the World really tapped into a market because when Disney got rid of the Osborne lights, yep. you, know, yep. you swore that there was going to be mutiny at Hollywood Studios. So the fact that you guys came up with, with an event like this, uh, I think is uh, is really, really admirable. It's funny. I don't want to give any any wrong information so so i'll be i'll be careful with with how i word it but i know that a lot of those lights that we have were donated from disney and you know it, it that was this was right just a couple years I, I believe after they stopped osborne so i'm not sure i don't want to give wrong information and say that they are the same lights but i i tell you what i wouldn't be surprised if some of them are because i mean they're like these just massive massive black tubs i can't i don't know how many we have i mean we're not even putting all of them to use we have so many lights wow that's awesome Um, i don't care if they are or not dj i'm coming this year sounds good awesome we'll see you there okay so also i i hear that you guys have something else going on uh in february uh, the uh, gingerbread run. Yeah, thank you so much. The gingerbread run happening February 11th over at Give Kids the World Village. Basically, think about it exactly how I just described um, our Run Disney races, except cut out the Run Disney part and just have a race at the village where you know you sign up. There's a fundraising goal attached, and once you hit that goal, you're good to run with us. It, that's also another great way for people to see the village. Right now, with Night of a Million Lights no longer taking place at Give Kids the World, Gingerbread Run is an amazing opportunity for anyone who's never seen the village before. Maybe isn't sure they want to volunteer, but you know they know that they want to come at least see the village with their own eyes and check it out. That's a great opportunity. So I would definitely recommend um, anyone to learn more about that. That you can find more info on just at our website, uh, gktw.org. You can find info uh, on there for all of our events. There will be more information to come in the coming weeks about gingerbread run. Um, but if you're interested, definitely mark your calendar February 11th. 
and then shifting this back to to running a, a, as we start to wrap this up a little bit, I know probably you know the odds of getting a charity bib as it relates to marathon weekend is probably slim to none based on the fact that that event sold out so quickly and a lot of people went the charity route. Um, can you tell us of any availability of run Disney bibs that give kids the world has in case someone listens to this interview and says, you know what? I want to run on behalf of that organization. What type of availability do you guys have? Yeah, for sure. So right now of the three race weekends, you know, that we have dates for and bibs for there is, you know, marathon weekend and princess are the next two on the calendar. Now for those two, I am all but nearly sold out. So with that, I mean, I, we're sold out, but you know, I, I get a cancellation every now and again. Um, so with that being said, I'm not going to like advertise those right now at this moment. However, if you do, if you're really desperate for a princess weekend or a marathon weekend bib, definitely just keep an eye on all of our social medias. Um, with that, I think as we get closer to the registration deadlines, which for these, these nonprofit links, the registration, uh, links, they all expire roughly around a month before, um, each of the, the respective race weekends. So around a little before that time, we will get on the social media and advertise, um, any leftover bibs that we do have. So again, keep an eye on our socials, um, pertaining to marathon weekend and princess weekend. Now, as far as springtime surprise goes that we still have plenty of availability. So if you go to, um, gktw.org slash run, you will see a page where you can select, um, from any of the race weekends. If you click on, um, springtime surprise, you will see we have just about every bib available except for 5k we sold out a 5k really quick but 10k 10 miler and challenge which does include 5k um we have plenty of bibs for those um also if you are run i'll mention this as well now this it, we have available for any of the race weekends if you were to go and click on uh, marathon weekend for example um, on our page, you would see no current bibs available to purchase, but you would see an option where you can sign up um, for zero dollars that says it's called already run, um, already registered with run Disney and then a question mark. What that is, is it's for people who maybe they've secured their bib with run Disney, whether it's 5k dopey, whatever. And they will be generated a, their own personal fundraising page, which they, you know, is, is specific to them that they can send to people, share on social media, just the same as someone who um, had secured a bib with us. And that's, you know, this is for those who wanted to still fundraise for us. They, they'll say, hey, I secured my bib with Run Disney. I don't have a fundraising goal that I have to hit, but I just, you know, want to raise some funds for Give Kids the World. So we, we love that because, I mean, that's in terms of me being in charge of our Run Disney program. Those are my favorite people because I don't have to you know, hold them to, you know, that personal fundraising goal, they're just going above and beyond for us. So we do have that available for every race weekend. And then, like I said, I do have plenty of space still for springtime surprise. So definitely go check out our site for that. Wonderful news there on that front. Now, obviously, if people still want to support Give Kids the World and support the village, but maybe they don't want to do it from the fundraising standpoint, obviously this upcoming, you know, you know, this Friday, we have, you know, Black Friday and then Cyber Monday, but this coming Tuesday is Giving Tuesday. Is the village doing anything special uh, on that front? Yeah, so Giving Tuesday is definitely the biggest singular fundraising day for us um, throughout the calendar year. Um, we will be um, a lot on all of our social media platforms, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, a little more short form, obviously, Facebook. Um, we will be sharing stories from our families with the theme of the stories kind of being um, 
making up for lost time. We will be sharing stories about families who maybe their trip got affected because of COVID or they've lost a lot of time uh, to do fun stuff because they've been dealing with hospital visits and treatments, things like that. Um, our The families of our stories could go on and on and on for days. So on our social media platforms, All Giving Tuesday, we will be sharing plenty of those stories. Super inspiring. Um, now, if you do want to donate, you know, you can, there aren't any special, like specific links specific to, give to Giving Tuesday attached to all of those stories will just be um, the regular links to our websites where you can uh, donate. Every penny does count though for Giving Tuesday. We are still working with um, some of our higher uh, profile donors in order to um, secure matches. A lot of the donations will be getting matched. Um, we are not quite sure yet up to what amount will be getting matched because it's, it's not just coming from one specific donor, but rather numerous. Um, and we're super happy about that. So like I said, every penny does count that we can raise on Giving Tuesday. And like you said, even if, you know, maybe you don't have spare change um, to donate to us, definitely go on, check out our social media on Giving Tuesday and share some of those stories with anyone who you think um, it might be relevant to. Well, we will definitely make sure to share any links that the village has on our social media. DJ, from the bottom of my heart and the rest of my co-host here at uh, the Rise Around podcast, thank you so much for joining us and uh, best of luck to the future endeavors of the village and uh, have a great holiday season. Thank you. You as well. Appreciate it. A fun interview. Great time talking with DJ. The links that DJ talked about are available in the show notes and on our webpage riseandrunpodcast.com. So take a look there. I know I'm going to be taking a look. I'm very interested in going to see the lights. I missed the Osborne lights. Anybody here see the Osborne lights? I bet Alicia, you yes, did. Yes, they were you? my favorite. Yeah, I'll bet you did. Yeah. Wait, wasn't when Wine and Dine was a night race? Yes. Didn't you actually run through the Osborne lights? You did. Yeah, but that was the, the weekend before. Or the year before all of us oh, started. That's right, that's before right, Alicia yeah. and I started, yeah. 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 Dag nabbit. We missed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. We usually make a trip over there. My wife and I do usually make a trip for the Christmas candlelight processional, which is very moving. And we really enjoy that. So I think maybe we'll spend two nights there this year. And we'll spend night one night taking a look at the lights. Sounds neat. Thanks again, DJ. A couple admin notes. Our friends, Kristen and Devin, are starting a core Christmas challenge. It's uh, eight to 10 minute follow along videos that are going to run for the month of December. If you're interested in joining that challenge, head on over to Kristen's site. I, I have Kristen's uh, link here, runfitmama.net. I don't have one for Devin, I'm sure. She's got one up also, but runfitmama.net, the core Christmas challenge. We enjoy working with Kristen and Devin, and they've been great friends to the podcast. And we'll have them back in a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to that. This weekend is Space Coast weekend, and I know a bunch of you will be there. We've got 11 names on our race report list. And probably a handful more who didn't list their name on the race report. I keep threatening to do this. I haven't done it yet. I'm going to post a meetup, though. Uh, You are welcome to join my wife and I at 3 o'clock on Sunday after the marathon. 
at the Carib Brewery. I'll have the address in the meetup invitation, and I'll have that posted before this show hits the air. By golly, I will. So I hope to see you there. If you got some time, come on by. They've got a big space at that brewery, so there's plenty of room. Just drop by and say hi. I'd love to see you. A way back again, early in the history of the Rise and Run podcast, we had an opportunity to speak with Brittany Charbonneau not long after she won the 5K, the 10K, the half, and the full marathon at the Dopey Challenge in January of 2022. She was a great guest. And once again, it's one of those things that our audience has grown since then. It was a delightful interview. She's a wonderful person to talk to, a great inspiration. And if you've heard it before, here it is again. If you haven't heard it, we think you're going to enjoy it. Hey, Brittany, welcome. Welcome to the Rise and Run podcast. We're so excited to have you here. We really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I We were just chatting offline and I was just saying how excited I was to find my people. I feel like these Run Disney oh, yeah. events have just brought us all together and it's just created such amazing connections already. I, I saw that right away when we uh, when we started looking. I, I was telling the guys I looked up, uh, they said, hey, Brittany Charbonneau's coming on. I said, oh, I, I know what she did. That's great. That's exciting. But then I started looking around. I went, oh, man, finish the runs, all four runs in a different costume, taking your medal photos in front of the Magic Kingdom, talking about what a great weekend it was. And it was. And I thought, you know, she's one of us. So this is going to be fun. Awesome. I'm so excited. So I'm going to take the first question here. Uh, Brittany, in doing some research about you in, in preparation for this interview, the origin story of all this I find extremely fascinating, and it's the fact that if it wasn't for a dog, this might not have ever happened. So can you give us the backstory in terms of what happened with said dog and how it led to your absolutely amazing accomplishment? Yeah, you know what's so crazy is hindsight. Hindsight's one of my favorite things in the whole world because I think it helps. Um, it helps you in moments that you are frustrated or not sure what's coming, or you might feel like you're going nowhere or anything like that. And then I feel like I look to moments of hindsight that remind me like, nope, even though something is hard right now, or even though it might suck right now, it's everything's going to be okay. Um, so before the reason I wanted to do the dopey challenge was, um, just in October, just a couple of months ago, I was training to run the Boston marathon um, I was, you know, in my prime fitness at this point, it's a career goal to get to toe the line at Boston as an elite, um, to get to toe the line at Boston anytime really. Um, but to do it as a pro is just something that you really work towards. Um, so I was training really hard, crushing it in training and, um, feeling really good about going into the race. And then 10 days before the race, I was doing a speed workout in a park that I do all my speed workouts in and was running so fast. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, I just was on my, on my hands and knees trying to figure out what just happened. And a off leash Husky basically just T-boned me. So that this Husky was going full speed. I'm going full speed and we just collided. And next thing I know I'm on the ground and I had smacked my head on the cement. I was in the, but in the moment I was like, 
should I stop my watch? Like, should I keep going? Like, um, <laughs> like as all these runners, I'm sure can 100% relate to. And so I tried. So I got up and we went to the urgent care and I had a concussion. And so I took the weekend off. Um, and from then my back just didn't feel right. There was something wrong with my back. I just couldn't feel, I didn't feel like I could run correctly. Like I was in still a lot of pain, but again, I mean, I'm running the Boston marathon. So I was like, I don't care. Like my legs have to be falling off before I'm not going to do this. Um, which looking back, I'm like, I don't know if that's the best message to put out there, but that was my, that was my mentality. Right. And so, um, I got to Boston, the warm up at the Boston marathon before we got to the starting line was, I was in a rough spot and I just was, I just was not sure how I was going to really complete the race. And so started the race and started out with the lead pack and was maybe like stayed with, stayed with everybody for about 10 miles. And then just everything in my back really just started to kind of fall apart. And again, also mentally started to fall fall apart as you can imagine. Um, and then, so at next, the next like eight miles, I was kind of walking, walk running, but had to pull out of the race. It was my first race. I didn't finish. And I was so bummed. It was such a bummer moment. I felt humiliated because I thought I'm on the sidelines of the Boston Marathon. Like everyone's going to be watching this. Um, So I was low. And but I took the next week or two to really just kind of regroup and just throw myself a pity party, like fully admitted. Yep. uh, I let myself just like feel bummed and sorry for myself. And then I started to reflect and think about what do I want to do next? Like I still have all this fitness, like that hasn't gone away, but what, what could I do next? And I had run, um, three of the Disney races. I ran and won three of the Disney races in 2018 and, um, I loved it. And I was like, well, I just, I just want to go back to Disney. Like who cares? Like it's the start of the year. Like I'm just going to kick my year off. I want to go to Disney. I just got back. I was getting ready to go to Broadway camp in New York in December. So I was like, I'm going to be excited from the performance piece of that. So I could run in costume. Basically, I just wanted to do something, something different, like use all my fitness from Boston, but turn that bummer of a moment into something fun. So it gave me the time and space to reflect on what I really wanted to do and just something that could be fun. Um, And that's kind of where Dopey was born. I remember like hearing that this Dopey challenge existed but I remember saying in 2018, I was like, that's absurd. I will never do that. Um, and then here we are, you know, four years later and I won them all. I'm like, yeah, it's wild. So a, a follow-up to that would be, was the goal, you know, when you made this decision, was the goal just to go ahead and run the Dopey Challenge? Or was the goal, not only am I running the Dopey Challenge, but I'm going to win these races. Yeah, I get asked that a lot. And no, the goal was never from the beginning to win them all. Because again, so I'm coming off of Boston and I'm thinking like, I don't feel like I don't feel like I ran my race at Boston. I felt like I let a lot of the pressure come in, especially last minute with um, just the pressure of racing elite in general, racing elite at Boston. Like just, I also felt like, so it had been two years since I ran the Olympic trials in the marathon on the road. So I've just been on the trails the past two years. And I just, for whatever reason, I put this value on myself of my times. And I just was like, I want to prove to people that I'm still fast, um, on the road because road times equal, like, 
that can sometimes equate to your worth, which I feel like is just such a sad place to be is like, I just don't, I don't want that. And so I wanted a challenge that like, I want to go see what it feels like to run a marathon on tired legs and take some of this pressure off of these times. And like, I want to show myself that I can run my own races and find value in myself outside of just the, just the times that get posted or whatever. Um, so no, it was never a goal. My coach and I, we had, we knew that sure it was a possibility that I could, that I had the potential to win all four. I won't say that like, that was not a thing, but really all throughout training and even going into the races, that was something really heavily consciously in my head. I had to work on of like, this is not my goal. Cause then I started to get wrapped up like, well, now I have to win. I've won two races. Now I have to win the third. And it was like, nope take that off because that was never the goal from the start. Your goal was to go out there and have fun and like do all of these other things. And in fact, one of the biggest goals was my coach, like she was on board with this whole challenge taking place and everything, as long as I upped my costume game. So that was also another challenge was like, I have to make sure that I like bring some rock and costumes um, to, to keep the fun front of mind, like to not get so sucked into the results. I have a follow-up question to the costume thing. I saw on Instagram, like with each race, you posted um, a notebook page of like things to remember that kind of went along with what uh, costume you were running in. How did that part come to be? And talk a little bit about that because that's so fascinating. Yeah. So I posted my race plans. So those are how I break down my races. So I always mentally break down my race into different chunks. And if I found that if I can attach a word or a mantra or a feeling or a character, or in the first case of the 5k, it was Elsa's songs. Um, if I could attach something else to think about or, or, uh, or like an energy that I want to try to become in those moments, that really helps me get through the races and helps me focus just on one part at a time. So basically, for example, for when I was Elsa for the 5k, I broke out each mile and the first mile was, I was going to go into the unknown, right? Like it was starting this, I was ease into the unknown. It was starting this adventure that I had, I've never done anything like this before. I don't know what it's going to be like, but it was mile one is just going to kick off this whole crazy thing. And I was just going to really harness the like ease into it. Like let yourself be in this moment of what is going to happen and then just kind of work through. I worked through different songs throughout. Show Yourself is one of my all-time favorite songs because I feel like she just lets herself be who she wants to be. And I just like really latched onto that. And I kind of felt like this whole challenge was my opportunity to do that for myself. Like take off, take off my shoes, pull down my hair and just go be me and run with my like water horse in the Arendelle. Um, (laughs) And um, so it's just about, so it's just about that. So it was for me, it was my race plans were to help me focus on what I was doing in each race at a time, what my goals were specifically for that race. And then I catered them. It was basically the same structure throughout each, but I catered them to each different character. Um, So I could really feel like I was embodying that character or bringing that character's spirit to each race. And speaking to the costumes, how much time and thought and preparation went into, you know, making your costume, but then also 
you know, obviously, you know, you said you know, you love the the music from from Frozen Two. Was there a major significance, whether it's to your personal life or your running career, in terms of why you chose Elsa and Bing Bong and Cruella and Joy? Yes, there were huge significances for me personally. So when I pitched this whole idea to my coach, I had to take her out for drinks um, ahead of time because I was like, I need, this is crazy. This is normally, normally you just pick the next marathon, right? And I was like, I want to do this crazy thing. I love Disney. I want to go to Disney. So I made her have one cocktail and then I pitched this idea to her. And that was when she was like, Brittany, of course, I just like want you to up your costumes. So then um, maybe the next week or two, we went out again and we just kind of chatted through what what the purpose behind the costumes and all of that were. And for me, it was, I want to pick characters that I feel like resonate really strongly with me, but that also have a word or an energy again to set the intention for 2022 as I get into my racing. So that's why like I picked, there was, there was a time that I was like, I want to pick characters that people are really going to know and that they all get. But then I was like, no, that's not why I'm doing this. This is for me. Like at this point I was like, I don't know if I'm going to win these things. It doesn't matter. But like, what do I want to show up dressed as? And so, um, I picked Elsa obviously because of, um, again, that it was, it's that specific scene is that from show your, or show yourself from frozen two was just so powerful to me that I knew I like wanted Elsa. And then, um, I just, I mean, inside out, I feel like that was the inside of my brain and I love, I love that. Oh, movie. it's so good. And then it was just like all the emotions that take over in the control center. I was like, I get it. Like some mm-hmm. days I feel like that and I just need joy to step back in. And so joy was a no brainer. Joy was kind of one of the first characters I thought of, um, to bring to life. And then, um, right away, I just, I just loved the imaginative spirit that Bing Bong had. And I was like, but nobody really knows Bing Bong. Um, but it turns out like, I mean, Disney people know Bing Bong. So, um, oh, that was like, but I loved, I loved the idea for Bing Bong. I loved the idea that something could exist that isn't supposed to exist. And I almost feel like that's me a little bit like this professional runner who sings Disney and who goes to Broadway camp and makes really weird art and like does all these different things shouldn't really exist, but I do. And it's like, once you see it together, it makes sense, I hope. Um, and then um, Cruella was just, I really resonated with that rebellious, rebelliousness of um, Emma Stone's character in the new version of Cruella. And I loved that she was able to bring high fashion and um, you you fell in love with her as a person, even though she was outside of the box. And so I just loved that creative spirit. So that was kind of where all the characters came from. And then I was able to just kind of piece together the costumes based on what running, running outfits I already had, or any number of different ways to make it running friendly, knowing I have a lot of miles to put in. Well, you're definitely with the right people because I'm in theater, Jackson actor, Greg does theater or did theater growing up or? Yes, I I did theater growing up. Yeah. (laughs) So you're, you're in the right crowd. (laughs) And I'm just goofy. <laughs> well, we all, we're all a little goofy, I think. I absolutely love, though, that you are showing that elite runners can still wear the costumes and have fun and have this um, show that, like, you can still do kick-ass things. And can I say yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can still do kick-ass things and have fun while you're doing it. And 
just be awesome. Thank you. That means a lot because that's um, something I've been I've struggled with over the years is how do I make how do I keep getting better at what I'm doing, but how do I keep it enjoyable? I mean, I'm putting in hours and hours and hours every single week, um, you know, through all different conditions. And I, it started because I loved running. So how do I keep that in it? And I think it's scary to, it's scary to be putting yourself out there of like, well, most of the other runners are going to race somewhere else this weekend. And I'm going to go to Disney and I'm going to put on costumes and I hope this works. Um, so I'm just really thrilled that it, that I was able to show myself that it could have, that it could work. And then the fact that it could trickle down to everybody else and hopefully show everybody else that it's possible too, is just, um, something I couldn't have hoped or couldn't have imagined, but I'm like so grateful for. So in terms of the, uh, theater and running, I saw that you're doing a one woman show or you did a one woman show and I believe it was called the funny runner. How did that, uh, come about? Yeah. So, um, when I still had a big kid job, I had a real job. Well, it's called a quote unquote real job, um, outside of, out of college. And then, um, post-college I went to Chicago to pursue comedy. Um, and I was still working. I had my big kid job and then on the side, like at nights and stuff, I was going to second city and studying and, um, at the annoyance and stuff like that. So I wanted to do comedy and improv. I loved sketch comedy and improv. So um, I love that theater people, I don't have to explain what, that I don't do stand up, um, that it's comedy <laughs> and. Hey, S- Second City is a massive deal. Thanks. That's awesome. Was, oh, yeah. It was so fun. That's so it's kind of this, Thanks. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. So I graduated from their writing program there. Um, and then, so my dream, once I started to get into um, comedy and started studying that, I started to set some bigger goals with running. I wanted to break three hours at the Chicago Marathon. Um, so it was all kind of bubbling under the surface, these two things. And then fast forward a couple years later, when I won my first um, marathon in Denver in 2017, I was also in a local improv show called Denver's Next Improv Star. And so the night before, so the finale of Denver's Next Improv Star was on a Friday or whatever, Saturday night, doesn't matter. Um, and I was in the finale. I didn't win. And so I was like, that's OK. I'll just go win the marathon the next day. so i did i I, uh, won the marathon and set the course record and i was like wow um i was like great this is good i'm killing it in both these things i'll just quit my job and so i did um because i had these big dreams i wanted to be on snl while simultaneously being in the olympics um which (laughs) as you could imagine would be very challenging so um anyway so as my running started to progress i still wanted to I went back to Second City and took a workshop on a one woman show or a one woman or like just a one person show and then brought my show to life um, in 2018. And I performed it here in Denver. It was all about my running um, to that point. And in fact, it's funny, look, looking back, I don't think I could, I'd have to do a different show because that show ended of me qualifying for Olympic trials. I didn't even run the Olympic trials yet. So, so one day, maybe I'll bring uh, part two to life. That's so amazing. (laughs) Oh. So, so keeping this running and theater aspect uh, conversation going, tell us what is your favorite Broadway show, favorite musical of all time? And then on top of that, I know in my running playlist, I have several tracks from Hamilton and, and Frozen and Tarzan, you know, the, all the, the Broadway versions of that. What Broadway music is in your uh, running list? 
I love that that exists for you too, because I thought, so my number one favorite musical is Hamilton and I've only seen it. Um, I've only seen the Disney on Disney plus version. I'm seeing it live in March for the first time, but oh, I didn't awesome. know. I didn't know that that theater, I didn't know that that could exist like that. Just there was something about Hamilton, which I think many people can relate to. There was something about it that just spoke to me, ignited a flame and just was this soundtrack. It was a soundtrack to my summer in 2019. And I like list Hamilton's going on my playlist. I like to try to outrun the Hamilton playlist. So I like to see if I can finish the playlist, like on a long trail run or something. Um, and in fact, I set a record on one of our biggest um, trail loops here in Colorado last, last year or two years ago, um, 2020, it was pandemic year. And I, the way that I would check in with my breathing in the later miles, the way that I would make sure that I wasn't going too hard is I would wrap along to satisfied, um, out loud because See, I, I thought you were going to say guns and ships, oh, not, oh. not satisfied, but, but, but that, that's good that though. should be my next challenge. Um, <laughs> but on my, on my playlist, like honestly, so my vocal coach picks, so I have a vocal coach. She's amazing. Um, and she picks different kind of anthems for me. Um, so I have monster from frozen, the musical on my playlist. Um, like I'm working right now, I'm working on, she used to be mine from waitress. I've done pulled from the Adams family. So I kind of just have this like smattering of different, um, musicals, but it's, it's also my fun thing. I started to like work on singing, um, during this year, because I was just like, I want to, I want to be bad at something. Like I want to just like be a rookie. I want to just like start from the bottom and just ha- like just have to do repetition, repetition, repetition. Um, and that's been really, really fun to get to like now kind of blend, keep blending these worlds. I'm bad at a lot of things. It's not all it's crap. <laughs> In terms of like trail running, I saw that you're doing some 50Ks or Greg has said, mentioned that you were doing a few ultras. Do you think you ever go and do um, 50 milers or 100 milers um, sometime? Or do you think you're going to keep it just towards marathons of 50Ks? You must have been um, hanging out with my coach and I today because um, I'm not going to officially announce which one I'm doing. But yeah, I'm actually going to go. I'm going to do a 50 miler this uh this spring, my thinking was so literally on Monday, I woke up and I was like, okay, I did 48 miles in four days. Like I could do 48 miles in one day. So yeah, ultra, (laughs) ultra running. Here we come. So with Disney, do you think you would come back and do dopey again? Good question. Um, I will definitely be back for Disney. I don't think I would, I, well, I've now learned to say never say never. Um, I don't think I will be back to do dopey. I almost feel like I have done what I've needed to do, but I, I feel like I want to come back. Like what else could I do um, at the run Disney events? Like, like, I don't know. Could it be some super fun aid station that I'm posted up at? Or um, could I pace a pace, a group of runners or something else where I feel like I, now get to take the spotlight and put it back on all of the other runners. Like, I feel like I have accomplished what I never, never would have thought would have happened. It was unbelievable. And I don't, I don't know if I could ever, I mean, I couldn't ever top that. Like that was just something so special that whole weekend that I'd want to kind of leave it bright and shiny. And then, um, like how, what else could I do with all of, all of this new run Disney, um, people? So I don't know what it would look like. 
you had mentioned previously that you had run some other run Disney weekends. Now, obviously, Marathon Weekend will now hold a massive place in your heart because of your accomplishment. Leading up to this weekend, is there a, a particular weekend that's like your absolute favorite uh, or a particular race or running through a certain aspect of the parks or, or property that, that really stick out to you? Yes. So I, uh, the princess races, come on. I mean, that is my jam. Um, however, I feel like, like, I, I think the princess weekend is just, I love the princesses, but I think that. Marathon weekend actually was probably a better choice for me if I was going to do this just because it left more freedom open to my characters. I felt like I would have had to choose certain princesses, which I absolutely could have. But let's be honest, Elsa is not even a princess. She's a queen. Um, so she wouldn't <laughs> have even fit in. But um, you know what? Something I'll never forget um, was in 2018, I ran the half marathon at um, Disney week or marathon weekend. And it, I remember coming into Magic Kingdom and the whole castle was still lit up from Christmas. And there's a video that my cyclist had got of me running towards the castle all lit up. And that I'd never run through Disney. I'd never been to Disney World before. So that moment was something so special that, I mean, I mean, everybody who's run, run Disney can relate to when you see that castle. Yep. It is like, I have arrived. I am at Disney. Um so that I'll, I'll never forget that. And then it was special this year, obviously, because everything was um, decorated for the 50th anniversary. So that was really cool, too. Yeah, the, the, the debate is which the most iconic turn in racing, the left onto Boylston Street or the right onto Main Street? You know, what's really funny? Different, different things. Well, you know? So I didn't even get to run Boylston when I was at Boston. Um, but, yeah. you know, what's really funny is uh, my cyclist during the half, he said, um, cause we, he had this, he had shined a spotlight on me and it was when I was headed back and all the other runners were coming towards coming out. And, um, he was, he was shouting at the other runners. He was like, here's your lead female. It's Brittany. And they all cheered. And then I started waving and like cheering back and they went wild. So he was like, this is like Boylston. And I was like, no, this is like, 40 times better than Boylston. And this is my special moment. It was just this moment that I felt like all of us as runners, we were doing the same thing and we were getting to support each other. And I was just as excited as they were. And like, that was a, that was honestly a career moment. I'll never forget. That it was like two miles of this exchange of cheering and just like energy feeding back and forth. Um, oh, it was, that was special. I will tell you, it's awesome at the back of the pack too. It's just as exciting. It's it's a special moment. I'm just really curious. Um, in between your races, did you go to the parks at all, or did you just rest each day? Because um, I've done ultras, but I haven't done dopey yet. I know, obviously, you got four consecutive days of running. How much rest did you put in, or did you go out and have fun? It was a little mix of both. I um, I mean, you're coming off of a lot of adrenaline, obviously, and um, I was surprised at how not tired. I was and like, as soon as I got back to my hotel after the races. Um, but most days, like there was one day that, uh, we went and went and toured all of the different resorts on Disney property. That was awesome. One, there was a couple days we just kind of hung at the resort. We were staying at animal kingdom lodge. And so there was a couple days we kind of just chilled, but I tried to go do something fun. Like go, I went to the expo cup one, one of the days, 
Um, just because it's also when I travel for races, I've started to learn. I didn't always used to be this way. I used to just post up in my hotel room and kind of like, like hide out. But I found for me, I get a lot of energy from, from the city I'm in and just like the experiences and the fact that running brought me there. Um, so I like to go, usually I go to, I visit an art museum, um, in whatever city I'm staying in or, um, just try to go like see some fun sites. So, um, I tried to do a little bit of that. It was, um, a little bit, I mean, I was still trying to be, be restful, <laughs> um, grant knowing I had a whole marathon at the end of the weekend, but, um, on Monday after we did get to do a VIP tour of all the parks. So that was kind of my exclamation point on the weekend. Did I see on one of your Instagram posts that the one morning you got to sleep in until three twenty? Is that, is, is, that, is that correct? Okay. How did you pull that off and get there? Because all of our butts were up at two o'clock in the morning waiting for that bus. And the fact that you got up at three twenty and then went out and won. I know. I know. I, I, what, what, what's your I'm secret? I'm sorry. Um, the secret is out that um, I luckily, after I'd run all the races in 2018, I had my connections at Run Disney. Um, and so my um, contact there, he was amazing. And he picked me up every morning um, at my hotel. And we didn't, we got to kind of park. It was so bougie, you guys. Um, <laughs> it was bougie. I got, to, we got to park like right behind the starting line. Like um, one day we, I think it was the 10K day we parked. No, it was the 5K. We parked in the Epcot parking lot. And he was like, we're not doing this the rest of the weekend. We're like, we're going back ways and stuff like that. Um, so it was bougie. I I didn't get picked up until 4 a.m. So I get that I had a little bit of extra rest um, going in. But uh, I got to sleep in on that 320 day because Joy only had a wig. So all I had to do was throw my dress on and put the wig on. Oh, so yeah. her costume was by far the easiest. Hey, I've got a, I've got a question for you. And we get questions on Facebook. And uh, after Dopey, for a lot of us, it's a big deal. I mean, it's a big deal for you too. I get it but it's the culmination of months and months of work. And there's a little bit of, I don't want to call it post-run depression, but maybe a little bit of doldrums sometimes that, that follows this. You got any advice for folks who are feeling that? That's a really good question. I think we could call it the dopey downers from now on. Um, and it is, it is. I mean, I'm a running coach and I, I have to work with my runners on all of this too, because it's real. I mean, it is, it's this big, big lead up and then it's this big event. And then all of a sudden it's like, now what? And even the, your week is structured differently. I mean, you're used to training every day. You're used to putting in all of this work and having this routine. And now it's, um, now what? Um, and so personally for me, I relish that week off. Like it's my time to just have no structure and do things differently. Stay up late, um, stay out late, um, catch up with people that I haven't. So I try to fill my week usually a week and week, two weeks after I try to fill my time with things I don't normally get to do as much of that I would like, um, or just be lazy. Like I'm hundred percent just going to sit and watch. I've been watching the new, um, that new cooking baking show on Disney, um, where they make, they make all these different, um, movies come to life out of different foods. Um, I don't know what it's called, but it's epic. Um, but then I, the other thing, and this is where this, um, what's coming next has come from because it's, I like to use this time of riding this high, using this energy of coming off of a race to then just sort of like put out into the world, like, what would I like to do next? Just kind of ask the question to yourself, 
what do you, what would, what would you, what would be fun next? Like, what could you do next? Or is there anything that might be down the line? And I kind of just start to set the next goal in mind to work towards. And that just kind of, then it helps me set, like set up my next phase of it. So I try to like dream big after the races and then um, just like relish that time. Cause next thing you know, you're going to be back in training. I mean, we're runners, we are addicted to it. So you know, you're going to be back in training um, and finding your next crazy adventure. So um, that's kind of usually what works, works for me. Yeah. I think that's good advice. I think, and I think the average folks can do that too, set their sights on another event or Totally. Yeah. So in training for a big race or dopey or, you know, all of that, you're putting in a lot of miles. Everybody who's done dopey knows that it's a lot of miles. What do you do when your motiv- motivation kind of dips of like, do you have moments or like mantras that you say to yourself or because we all hit the lull of training where it's like, I have to do how many miles today? <laughs> Yeah. Um, totally. And that happens for me too. I mean, I mean, runners are runners and that's absolutely something that happens for me too. Um, I just try to do whatever I can to change it up. So the, what I usually find with people that they're like, Oh, I have to do how many miles? It's because they're like, I'm going to go run the same route that I do over and over. Cause it's familiar. And it's sometimes it's good. Cause you're like, I just want to zone out and just not have to think. But I think if you can change it up, like I like to just, a lot of my runs, I just go wander. Like I just, I'm like, I've never been down this street before. I'm going to just see what's happening down here. Or um, I love listening to different podcasts or I'll choose an audio book that I only listen to on my runs. So it's like my treat to get out and go run. And I end up wanting to run a little bit longer to keep listening to that. Um, Adding people into your runs, like inviting a friend or joining a run club or something like that is huge for motivation. Um, those miles just fly by. Um, one of our other coaches, she um, is currently in the really cold um, New England right now. So she's doing a lot of miles on her treadmill and she calls her friend and they they do their runs together, but her friend lives somewhere else. So they just will either put up their FaceTime or have their AirPods in and just be on a call. So it's like you're doing that. Oh, that's- Um, so I just try to change it up. However, however I can, I think about where have I not run lately or a lot of times too. So I'm never strict on when I do my runs in the week. So it's never like Sundays are religiously my long run day and it never changes. Um, because that's not race day, right? Like if you're, you've got to be flexible on race day. So I like to change it up. Maybe it's like, I'm so bored of doing my long run on Sundays, Maybe I'll do it Friday this week and just, I mean, you just get a different perspective, different times of day, different times of the week. Um, so however you can make it fun. And then, I mean, when all else fails, just throw on a costume and then see how many honks you get. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'll try that. Yeah, Bob, we need to see you in a costume ASAP. All right, Brittany, I got to ask this question. I see, I see Abraham Lincoln over your shoulder to pick up penny pennies on these runs. Okay. So yes, I have this thing that I pick up pennies on all my runs. Um, I'm a big, big Abe Lincoln fan. I'm currently showing you a coaster of Abe Lincoln that I have. Ah. Um, yeah. So I, that's also a way to change up your runs, change up your runs. Um, I like to go out and I call it street sweeping. And, um, (laughs) basically what it is, I just go try and look for change when I'm on my runs. Like it's, it's surprising how, 
quickly miles can pass by when you're looking for change. And it just genuinely brings me joy. And those pennies are kind of my affirmations that I'm on the right path. So that's why I picked them up. Um, and then, yeah, I just am a big, big Abe fan. Very cool. I was going to ask, since you collect coins on your runs, what's your record for one year? Great question, because we just wrapped 2021. So I collect all my change. I have a jar downstairs um, that I, when I come in the front door, I drop it all in. Um, but I like to save it for the end of the year to see how much I find, because it's like this wonderful arbitrary surprise on January 30 or December 31st every year. So this year, my record is, I think, $38 and like five cents. And that was in 2020. Um, This year, I think this past year, I think I found it was like $32. Um, But I am spending a lot more time on trails. And unfortunately, there aren't um, there aren't very many pennies. Oh, funny penny story about the race is really fast. At mile 25, as we're getting back into the park, I'm in the lead. I see a penny and my instinct is to pick it up. So I like go to bend over and I was like, no, your rule is you don't pick up change during races. And then I was like, if I bend over, I'm not getting back up. So that was my penny that I left at Disney. It can be somebody else's lucky penny. So we noticed in doing research again for tonight that, you know, obviously, you know, you have the acting uh, side of your career and the running, but you also do coaching as well, too. Was there anything in particular from Marathon Weekend that you learned about yourself that you'll be able to instill to those that you coach? That's a really good question. I learn. I I always I always learn so much um, that I feel like I get to pass along to not only my athletes but to everybody else. I always say my lessons are your lessons because I feel like I'm out doing it too. So if I'm telling you to do something. I'm doing it too. So I think one of the biggest things that I wanted to prove, not only to myself, because I've done this before, but just almost show my athletes and any other runners is that you can start out, like you can ease in, like you don't have to go blistering pace and then try and hold it. Like you can accomplish your goals with negative splits. And I have a lot of people that's hard to trust because it's, I mean, you're so fresh coming into a marathon. You are um, normally um, you are on your adrenaline's going, it's hard to be conservative. It's hard to pull back. But my coach and I were talking today just about how much mental, uh, progress I made during this training. And then during this weekend, I felt like, um, I felt like I really made strides in my mental game because I was not stressing out about splits. Like I wasn't, there wasn't one day in any of this training that I focused on splits because I knew it wouldn't matter. I knew I would just have to focus on effort. So I just, um, felt like that was another moment that I could show my runners that I, that you can trust that, that you can trust that your body will adapt and you can, you can run based on effort. So this past September, uh, Jack and I both did Berlin and I did not finish the race uh, or officially finish. Um, uh, I was thankfully able to get my medal and I got 27.7 miles on my run keeper. So I finished the marathon. Um, but since you didn't finish Boston, do you have like that? Um, I don't know. I have to go back so I can prove it to myself that I did it. Yeah. Well, amazing job finishing, right? Like that's awesome. Um, I, so I did run, so I ran Boston in 2013, um, just as in just, it was my second marathon ever. 
And I don't know. I'm going to leave it with, I'm not sure. Like, I think, I think, yes, yes. I would actually love to go back to Boston and race and finish officially. Um, Who knows if that would be as an elite again, or if it might be later in my career. Um, I think whatever I do, I would promise myself that as I go back, I would take this same Disney energy there and enjoy it because I kind of felt like I was so stressed out during this one that I didn't really enjoy it. So I think, yeah, I would say I would put that back out there. Like, yeah, one day I'd like to go back, race Boston, have a blast with it, um, whatever capacity that looks like. Awesome. Lexi, I think you talked her into it. I know. As as I was explaining that, I was like, hmm, maybe I'll be back. Pretty cool. Yeah. So I saw you did the trials for this past Olympics and then you're going to go for 2024. You, your times are like amazing, by the way. I'm so astonished. How are you feeling for this next trial? I know you got two more years, but. Yeah. Um, my coach and I were talking about this today, actually. Um, I'm excited for them. I, I'm excited for them. Genuinely. Um, I'm, I think I'm just so, so like loving this idea right now of doing kind of some different things, tackling some distances and some goals and weird, absurd things that I maybe wouldn't normally get to or wouldn't have thought of. And I kind of feel like I've got permission to just kind of just throw darts this year. Um, Certainly I do want to, I do want to see, what I can do in the marathon on the road marathon distance and scene. Um, but I want to make sure I'm, I think something I did so well at dopey was staying present in each race each day at a time. So I feel like one of my goals is like, I know that Olympic trials are like out ahead. And of course I want to work towards qualifying again and running strong at trials. But, um, right now I'm like, I'm just going to focus on this, this next chunk of my training, um, and this next goal that I'm working towards and things like that, just so I don't get lost in the, like what's ahead. Like I still am focusing on like today I'm running to find 35 cents because I'm training towards this. Um, (laughs) yeah. So no, I am excited. I mean, it's a, it's a crazy place to be in when I, when I quit my job, I never in a million years would have ever thought I would have been where I'm at today or, Olympic trials qualifier, going for a second Olympic trials, anything like that. Like it's, it's honestly, it's wild. So I think I just am so astonished at myself, grateful for all these opportunities. And just, I'm like, I just want to relish every single moment because uh, who knows how long a running career lasts. And, um, I'm just kind of really soaking up all these moments because I'm, I'm blown away that I get to do this for my job. Like that's, that's not a thing. Like, nobody gets to run for a living. And, um, it's, and the fact that it is happening is just so, so cool. Well, not only do you get to do it for a job, but you're just a terrific ambassador for the sport. And, uh, I'm, I'm fond of telling my friends here that the, the good athletes I've known, and I've, I've never known an elite athlete before, I don't think, but anyway, the good athletes I know love their sport, and they want others to love their sport too. And that comes through. And that's, that's really embodied with you, Brittany. And we're so grateful for the time you gave us here. And I know we've all enjoyed it. And I, I hope I get to see you at a run sometime. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. And I really, from the bottom of my heart, just really wish 
all joyful miles for people. Like, I just hope that they get to enjoy it too. And, and it's hard miles. I mean, that's, don't get me wrong. It's not always so sparkly and wonderful. It's hard, but I mean, that's, what's the beauty of it. And we're all doing it together. We're all runners. And I just think my running has come alive because of everybody else. So, um, so grateful for you guys and for the time and, um, thinking of me and just being supportive, um, because I'm genuinely putting that back out hopefully into everybody's running too. Brittany, if people want to reach out to you about coaching or just hear more about your story or, or, you know, learn about your journey with, with the trials and, you know, and with the Olympics and everything, how can people reach out to you, um, and all your opportunities? Yeah. That you have? So, um, I'm always on Instagram, um, at funny runner 26.2. Um, I'm also, if you want to watch and follow along with my daily running shenanigans, I'm on Strava. So you can follow and see how much change I find every day. Um, for for <laughs> coaching, um, our coaching company is called Mercuria Running. It's like Mercury, but um, like we, we say it's like the female version, like Mercuria. Um, we're on Instagram. It's also linked on my Instagram page um, as well. Um, and then I do have a website, which one of my goals over the next couple of weeks is to update it. Cause obviously it's a little outdated. Um, but that's funny runner, the funny Perfect. And we'll be sure to link all of that, uh, in this week's show awesome. notes. So, uh, th thank you so much thank for sharing you. that. Good deal. Brittany, one more time. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. And I hope, like I said, hope we get to see you sometime. Awesome. Yes. Let's like go for a run sometime when I'm, when we're all together. Amazing hearing Brittany's voice again. You know, it, it's amazing. You know, when I look back on that interview, um, you know, we were only a couple of months old. And the fact that the dopey champion was willing to come on our podcast just to me speaks volumes of how great of not only a runner, but just an individual that oh, yeah. Brittany is. And I know we are in communication with her right now. We want to have her back on the show for two reasons. Uh, the number one is she just participated in the 2022 World Mountain and Trail Championships in Thailand. Uh, she participated in the 80-kilometer trail run uh, division, and I just need to hear that story. I mean, the fact that she is considered one of the top trail runners in the world is just mind-boggling. So we need to hear that story. But as it relates to our listeners, though, we want to be able to get Brittany back on to give you all advice, you know, whether you're running dopey or goofy, or even if this is your first 5K, I think she's an amazing inspiration, and we're really looking forward to having her back, hopefully here in the next couple of weeks. She's a terrific person, a great friend of the podcast, really proud to wear that Team USA singlet. I, I mean, I know she was, and I want to hear her talk about that. And Greg, you're right. When she agreed to come with us, I was nervous as could be. <laughs> I said, oh my God, I'm not worthy. What are we doing? But uh, she was just an, right off, right off the bat. She was an easy person to talk to and a whole lot of fun. So yeah, we do hope to have her in the month of December. We're just trying to find a good date and time to do it. Okay, my friend, that's it for admin stuff. It's time for the race report. Okay, let's start this race report with our weekend long events. And we had a couple of those. We'll get back to Norfolk and Philly in a little bit. But let's start out in Rocky Mount, Virginia, because tonight 
in the race report spotlight, we have our friend Kent. Kent from the customized training program. Kent, who ran the Crooked Road 24-hour ultra in Virginia. Kent, it's good to see you, my friend. Welcome to the race report. Thanks, Bob. Glad to be here. Uh, it's fun, Kent. We have fun doing these. We just we like talking to our friends out there, especially those. Kent, what did you do this weekend? Well, I just yeah, just a little run. Um, yeah. I ran seventy five point three nine two miles. <laughs> wow! Yeah, in, in in what time period, Kent? Uh, 24 hours 24 was the, hours, the yeah. entire one, but I finished all of that in 20 hours, 45 minutes and 34 seconds. That's fantastic. That's, that's really amazing. I, I admire the, the guts it takes to do something like that. The level of training. How, how did your training go for something like that? Um, I had, uh, actually for a couple of years before this, I had, uh, sort of on the sly, used the uh, Run Disney uh, training plans for the marathon. I run a, a marathon in uh, 50K last year. Um, and I thought I really needed something that was more suited for uh, longer distance. You know, my uh, goal uh, this year was to run 50 miles by the time uh, I got to my 50th birthday, which just happens to which be on this Thursday. week, right? Yeah, I knew it was. Happy birthday. That's the day of release. So there you go. Perfect. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. Uh, so, you know, I uh, had been looking at Customize for a little while, and I thought this was the perfect time to uh, uh, jump aboard. Uh, certainly knowing uh, Chris's uh, oh, yeah. uh, experience with uh, uh, things a lot longer than uh, 24 hours. So. Yeah. Yeah. Chris has the pedigree to train ultra folks. That's for sure. So, hey, look, let's back up a little bit. We'll get to the, the race. I absolutely want to hear about that in as much detail as you care to go. But i like to start out, how'd you get started running? Well, I, I think a lot, of, a lot of these branches end up uh, starting or ending in Boston. Oh. Um, I'm originally from New Hampshire, even though I live in Maryland now. Um, and I remember when I was in kindergarten, and living in New Hampshire, and uh, we had Patriots Day off. Oh, right, 18th um, of April. Yep. And my mom uh, had me watch the Boston, the 1979 Boston Marathon. Mm -hmm. um, and basically after that, I got hooked at least into watching Boston. Um, after about a couple of years, uh, my dad was in the Air Force, and we moved out west to California and then Las Vegas, and that was sort of our way to – sort of be a little bit connected with New England was to, you know, watch the race on TV. And basically in the, what's it been 42 years since then, I've probably seen the, yeah, at least the start or sometimes the whole thing on TV for probably 80, 85% of those years. So I really didn't get into it until I was in high school. Uh, and I just moved from Las Vegas to Northeastern Pennsylvania. Uh, and uh, one of my classmates was like, why don't you come up for the cross country team? I'm like, okay, I'll try. Yeah, it. Right, right, right. Um, in the first year I was not very good at all. Um, in the next year I got better, but wasn't necessarily great. Um, and certainly something that would be good for a you know, podcast that uh, focuses on Disney. Um, my family went to uh, um, 
to Disney in Florida. And, you know, some people like getting stuffed animals. Some, some people like getting, you know, food items. Well, I got a, uh, went to Epcot and got a book on running form. Oh, well, of course. Of course you did. That's what, you know, I, I, at least two thirds of the people who go to Epcot do that. I'm almost oh, certain. yeah. I, I have no doubt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, I, and I improved myself to en- enough to a point where I was probably, you know, top like 40% in my district, which was a lot better than bottom no. 10%. Like, oh, no, it's very good. Year. It's very good. Yeah. Um, and then I read about this person in Maine uh, who would run the Boston Marathon course on New Year's Day. And I was like, I'm too slow to be able to run the real thing. My job and my life really aren't conducive to doing charity work. That would be a really neat thing to do. How am I going to run 26 miles if I can't run more than nine? <laughs> That's a good question. Yes. So 2019, I learned about this you know, thing that a few of us have heard about. It's called Run Walk, the Jeff Galloway method. And of course, you know, me being a longtime runner and, uh, you know, very little walking, you know, the ego starts running in. You go, yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, that's not real running. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I got to a point where I was like, well, there's two decisions here. Either I don't try it and I don't run it or I try it and it may work. So I just tinkered around with, you know, with ratios like we always do at the very beginning. And then before you know, it's like, okay, let's do it. Okay. And and the rest is history. So the rest takes us to Virginia and this weekend. Um, tell us about the race. What was it like? What was the course like? Uh, how was it laid out? How did you, what was your strategy? Um, just, it, go ahead. It's fairly flat. It's about 17 feet per mile. Um of um gain so you know you had one you know one hill that sort of was a a walkable one everything else was fairly flat um it was a rail trail uh it was one big loop and one small loop and for the most part it wrapped around what's called the uh, pig river and what's and what uh, uh basically combined the two loops was a bridge across the river so that that could be that was a nice choke point, like some of uh, some of the Disney races get. <laughs> so uh, um, that got interesting when it got to be more than three wide. Is you know people coming, you know, yeah, because you'd be looping off the loops. So. Yeah, yeah, you'd be crossing each other, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. You didn't knock anybody down, did you? No, it got Good it got close in a couple instances that I saw. Well, or, you know, when when some people were were you know straight walking and I was trying to run walk and you know get the speed sometimes was a little bit um, yeah difficult to manage at times but uh, yeah, I think at least in what I saw it was all good so and you and you said this I think but the two loops combined were how far one point one seven eight oh, miles God. so you you did what almost almost seventy of them right. By the time you were done, um, yeah, I think it was like sixty-five. I yeah, think it was. Not, I know it's less than seventy, but I'm not up to the math in my head on that one. Yeah, usually uh, I am too, but not, yeah. not on that case. So, what, what was your strategy like? You did, you didn't start and then twenty hours later stop. You uh, how'd you handle it? I think that was the hardest part, is because I had never gone more than forty-two miles, 
and never gone uh, time on feet more than 11 hours and 20 minutes. It was just sort of trying to find something that could get me, you know, as long as possible. Um, and um, I was like, okay, probably my long run pace is usually about, um, <laughs> usually about um, 1040. Um, and yeah, I usually doing like 50, 30 intervals with that. So I was like, okay, yeah, 1230 seems about right. I was doing some, you know, pace equivalents, uh, with, um, my last, uh, sort of, you know, flat PR ish sort of, uh, race. Um, and then basically took that into a hundred K pace and got, and that was like around 1215, 1220. It's like, okay, I'll try 1230 see where the intervals get me with 12:30 and then we'll just see how long I go from there um and yeah i was like okay let, let's see how long i get do it and uh go from there so yeah what what intervals did you use to go 12:30 uh 3030 3030 and good. in the very beginning even though i felt i was going nice and easy yeah i was doing yeah very high 11s, low 12s. Um, and I was trying to back down and it was just not backing down enough to get to 1230. But at the same time, I really didn't want to be hyper-focused on yeah, hitting exact numbers because I knew it was going to fall off eventually. And um, I didn't want to waste sort of that mental energy of trying mm -hmm. to back off and um, yeah, I just wanted it to flow and, 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 and save my energy, you know, both physical and mental for what, what came after that. I got you there. Maybe, maybe a little adrenaline pump in those first couple of oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And with the crowd and all, I get that. I get that. Um, how'd you hydrate and how'd you stay, uh, fed? what did you do for nutrition during the course? Uh, for the most part, sir. Certainly, because of the GI issues I've had since you know the appendix burst, um, I really have to watch what I eat and drink. Um, you know, not only during race and before race. Um, so I went mostly with Tailwind, um, and I uh, made specifically sure to go non-caffeinated in the early part, and then I went caffeinated. Yeah, you know, sort of. That was that was my 50, my 50 mile, uh, gift to myself, yeah, yeah. uh, was, uh, to not go the caffeinated route until I got to 50 miles. Pretty smart. Um, and then after that, it was, um, just trying to find, um, I really try and get more into the salty stuff because I'm a salty sweater. Yes. And it's um, that time. Yep. So, yeah, you know, I go pickles and, and things like that to really, Good call. yeah, yeah. Uh, to, uh, get into that. And then I'll, I'll hit, you know, occasional other things to sort of change the taste buds with, uh, uh, cliff bars and, you know, occasional Oreo here or something like that. No, no pop tarts. No, no pop tarts. <laughs> that's my, that's now, my if, now if a Rice Krispie for... treat came along, I certainly there wouldn't you go. turn it there down. You go. That's, that's another one. That's another one. Did you have a support crew or did you provide your own? No, it was all by myself. They did have a main aid station. So what would happen is that you would go on the big loop, you would cross the bridge, and as soon as you get off the bridge, they had the main aid station there. Um, and then after that was sort of like a big, long straightaway. I called it Tent City. And it was basically everybody had their own, yeah, 
tents and in, in, in their own sort of aid stations. And I had a little bit, one with the tarp and a chair, and I had like two or three bags, uh, one or suitcases actually. And it was one with sort of extra clothes and one that was uh, f- uh, food and medical stuff. And then I had a cooler because it was going to get down to the 20s at night. So I didn't want, you know, you know, some you, of the liquid use, stuff to freeze. So. Right. You use your cooler to keep stuff warm. Yeah. So to speak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been there. Um, so, and obviously this goes through the night. How'd you handle the nighttime stuff? Well, it got really interesting. I mean, the night was going to be interesting anyway, um, because by that point it was going to be my longest run ever. Um, also, um, I really didn't sleep the night before. I think I might've got an hour. Um, so basically throughout the race, I was really worried about, let's say, okay, there's going to be some point that that I'm just going to get so tired that it just, you know, my body's just going to shut down. So I wasn't looking to go in and run eight minute miles just to, to get <laughs> no, miles no. going. Right. Um, but I, I knew in my mind that I couldn't, um, yeah. I shouldn't be taking long in rest in uh, at rest areas or things like that. I really wanted to make sure that I got as much in during the daytime as I possibly could. And that I wanted to keep those um, intervals going, even if I was going slower in those intervals uh, to keep those going, because yeah, even in miles 50 and 60 through 60, while I was yeah still doing intervals, yeah, I'd say except for the top, maybe five or 10 people, yeah, I was passing everybody along the way and lapping them. So yeah, that's very impressive. I I, I think that if, yeah, certainly, I mean, that, that miles 50 through 60, if anybody needed a a advertisement for a customizer for, uh, uh, you know, run walk there, it was right there. there. Somebody who didn't have any experience in going past 42 miles was still rolling with intervals that, you know, 50 and 60, and it ended up being 67 miles. Kent, uh, really interesting. Great job. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about for this race? I think the real concern I had going in uh, was, you know, sort of that miles, you know, 70, 80, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. The big numbers. <laughs> yeah. Just because, I mean, you know, from the stories from, from Coach Twiggs and you know any you know, any of the videos that you see of people doing hundred milers, you know they get into that pain cave or yeah. they start getting really tired and it's three or four in the morning, uh, and it was like okay I can I can listen to all the stories but I'm not gonna know what it's gonna be like until I experience it. You got it. I mean, people hallucinate in some of those cases for real. They hallucinate. I, I, I got to I got to about my yeah I got to about mile seventy and I found that uh, I, my left arm for some reason like I I just twitched and hit myself at least three times. Huh. Oh wow! So how you how you feeling now? I'm feeling great. I mean I shouldn't be I shouldn't be feeling this great after running seventy five miles, um, but I'm walking up and down stairs straight. Um, went to a doctor's appointment, you know, drove in the car, had no problems. So, yeah, I think that's another sort of, you know, endorsement for customizes. Yeah. I mean, when, when I was, you know, doing all run, you know, even six, seven years ago, I mean, 
if I ran, you know, eight, nine miles, I'd be sore the rest of the day. It would just be, I'd have a tough time and there's no way I would have been able to do what I did this weekend. And now you just knock off 70 and go party in the next. Oh yeah. No problem. You the, you the man. Eat birthday cake on Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) So Kent, you, you've done this amazing thing and ran 75 miles. What's next? A hundred miler or not yet? (laughs) Well, certainly the, the, the one sort of goal that I didn't hit, um, as great of a experience as I had was in the sort of the back of my mind, I was hoping to get to 80 miles uh, because that would have been 80 miles in 24 hours would have been the same pace as a hundred miles in 30 hours. Now I had the time, but I just got to a point where it was just getting a little too dangerous for me. Um, So I was just like, but certainly that was a thought of, could I do a hundred miles? Um, yeah, <laughs> I see it in your future. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've, I've already, already had a couple people sort of uh, uh, poking me about Keys 100 or something. Like yeah, that. it's the ultra bug. I see it amongst other ultra athletes. They can't get enough. Too bad Jack wasn't here. Jack would have talked to me. <laughs> yeah. Allie would pro- probably is probably the closer one because uh, when I was um, – I was about to visit my parents in New Hampshire in October. Um, and uh, that weekend before was the ghost train. Uh, yeah, Ultra. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, she, she was getting on my case. You got to come do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, because uh, the, the, the race is like on the next town over from where my cousins are from. So, uh, Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I certainly know that one vote from the podcast will definitely be Ghost Train in October. So There you go. You absolutely would. But I really haven't I really haven't cemented anything yet. One one thing that I do want to do uh to get back to Boston is um the uh my uh goddaughter uh now lives in Boston. Uh, so I've been trying to poke her into doing the BAA 5K yeah. on a marathon Saturday. So, um, so I so I might decide to do that along the way. So I'll get across the the marathon finish line. It just won't be doing the marathon. So no, it's still neat. It, it's it's yeah, still fun. Any Disney events in your future? Uh, no, but actually, so, uh, w- uh, we are actually looking to uh, do our first uh, all-family Disney trip uh, on uh, probably in August. Oh, okay. My, my big vacation time with Congress being out in August is is in that month. So yeah, and it's a lovely, nice. The weather is nice and cool, and you'll you'll love it in Orlando in August. <laughs> 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 it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Kent, uh, first, congratulations, happy birthday, and thank you for joining us and telling us your story about the uh, 75 mile, what was the name of the event again, the Rocky? The Crooked Road 24-Hour Ultra. It's uh, between uh, Roanoke and, for the NASCAR fans out there, uh, Martinsville. Yeah, very good. Good reference point. Kent, thanks again. We appreciate you. Thank you, Bob. Kent, thanks again. and. Happy birthday, and know that we're proud of you. All right, let's look at those other weekend-long events. Let's go to Norfolk, Virginia, where the Norfolk 5K on Saturday 
in the Norfolk Half Marathon on Sunday combined to make the Get Naughty Challenge. Naughty, N-A-U-T-I, short for nautical. See what they did there? Very <laughs> clever. Naughty, no, pretty clever, huh? Yeah. Taylor, Taylor ran those. It was half number 11 on the year for Taylor, one each month. She's got one to go in December, she says. And a 10-minute PR for a half, which was especially meaningful to her because she ran her first half marathon on this course. She got how many medals? She got a 5K medal, a half medal, a challenge medal for the Get Naughty Challenge, and a series medal for three different races over different weekends in that area. And she wanted to point out that the race bib contained, that's right, not one, not two, not three, but four drink tickets on the race bib. <laughs> I've never been to an event that had four race, four drink tickets at the end. That's pretty cool. Big uh, running weekend in Philadelphia this weekend, Greg. Uh, did you get out there at all to see any of it? Marathon weekend? I did not, unfortunately. I was in... because it was cold. Well, th- that too. Yes, it was freezing. <laughs> our, our, I know our buddies uh, from the We'll Run For podcast were there. Tom and Diana did the, the, the challenge. Okay, cool. Good for them. Good for them. Um, well, so did Victoria. Victoria did the Freedom Challenge over the weekend, which was that she ran the half and the 8K on Saturday. She finished the half with one friend, got back in the corral for the 8K with another friend, and then, after there, she headed to the Reading Terminal Market for cannolis. If you're not familiar with the area, that's a big deal. I'm very envious. The Reading Terminal Market is a neat place to go. Lots of wonderful places to eat. Absolutely. There. And uh, like I, some Bassett's ice cream with a Denick's roast oh, pork. Oh, oh, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Just one after the other. It's a, it's a very large area. If you were ever in the Philadelphia area, it is worth a trip to the Reading Terminal Market just to walk around and bring your appetite. But anyway, Victoria did that on Saturday. Now, half and an 8K on Saturday. She turned around, she does the marathon on Sunday. Woo. Yeah, woo, indeed. That's dopey plus, not dopey plus, goofy plus there. That's some hard stuff. Uh, very cold. We know there's a, there always tends to be a theme to these race reports. Uh, this week's theme is it was really cold in most of the country this weekend. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was very chilly. She, she said it was very chilly. She said they had a great crowd, that she was doing well, started to tire a little bit at mile 18, but then apparently there was a turnaround to head to the end at mile 20. She picked it up, and despite the fact that she had so much running this weekend, she finished with a nine-minute PR for her marathon. Way to go, Victoria. That's impressive. She leaves with the question of what's next. I don't know, but that's quite the challenge. Way to go. All right, now let's take a look at Saturday. Let's go to SeaWorld in Orlando, Florida, where Margaret was running the Rucksack Race 5K. It's her third year doing this event, charity event. The proceeds go to help the invisible wounds of veterans and their families. Uh, some folks do this with a rucksack, a 35-pound loaded ruck. Uh, Margaret didn't do that. Margaret ran it with, of course, Margaret. Margaret's got a dress for the occasion. She does a wonderful job of it. She ran this one in a camo skirt. Said her favorite part was 
when it is a SeaWorld run, she got to run through Sesame Street. That sounds cool. But Bob, how do you get there? Yeah, they can, I can't tell you. I can't tell you how to get there. I'm too old. <laughs> I scarcely remember. Big Bird knows. We'll find Big Bird. He'll tell us. Moving up north just, well, no, I'm sorry. Moving up north just quite a bit. We were in Philly. Then we were in Orlando. Now we're in Queens. Queens, New York. The NYC runs Go Nuts for Donuts half marathon and 5K. Emily ran the 5K. Cool metal and the donuts that they had at the end made up for the 31 degree starting temperature. See, I told you, told you there's a theme this week. The freezer gizzards off 5K in Leesburg, Virginia. Sharon and her children ran that one. It was the first road race for her kids. They did great. Did about a 13 minute per mile pace for a 5K. That's pretty good. The Gobbler 10K was in Lexington, Kentucky. Hannah ran that one. Hannah put her photo up on Facebook with a really nice looking half marathon medal. And she says, ignore the medal. I just did the 10K. I, capital letters. I just did the 10K. I didn't ask how you got a half marathon medal for running a 10K, but good for you. Another cold race in Lexington, Kentucky. I, I'm sure the temperatures have varied throughout the country. The theme really almost everywhere, even down here in Florida, was it was chilly. And as I'm fond of saying, if it's cold where you are, it's cold. If you think it's cold, it's cold because we all acclimate to different temperatures. Um, on Saturday, the Philly half, Susan did the Philly half. She had some problems with organization at the start. Apparently, they're the shuttle from her hotel uh, didn't run at the times that they expected it to. So she had a two-mile walk to the start, which led to a late start. Things got a little hilly and challenging. Apparently, roads had opened up on her because of that late start. And she had a little trouble with traffic, but she finished. She finished. She made a new friend around mile 11. And she survived all the challenges, and she got done. Way to go. In Delray Beach, Florida, the Delray Beach Turkey Trot 5K. The turkey trots are starting already, see? Jennifer and her husband, Stephen, did that one. Awesome course. This one, the weather was pretty nice for. So that's good. Pretty nice Saturday. The Miles for Moffitt, the Moffitt Cancer Center in Tampa, Florida. Heidi did that one. Heidi ran the course on Saturday, and then on Sunday, she put on her roller skates and went roller skating down Bayshore Boulevard, which is a lovely place here in the Tampa area. It's right up against the bay. And she was showing off her medal that she had earned on Saturday by skating down Bayshore Boulevard on Sunday. Nice job, Heidi. The Endless Summer Trail 10K, Mary... Mary ran that one. Mary said she ran on a beach, on a trail, and along the side of a lake for that race. And I don't know exactly where this one was. I saw this on Facebook. There's, in fact, there's two here that I've just picked up late in the day. Uh, the Chili 5K somewhere in central Illinois. Craig ran that one. It was his first 5K that he ran 10 years ago where it took him about 36 minutes to finish. This one, 
He PR'd at less than 22 minutes. Craig, that's smoking, man. Under 22 minutes for a 5K? Way to go. Especially especially in colder weather, which will slow you down a little bit. Our friend Chris from Central Alabama ran the Center Point Half Marathon in the city of Prattville, a city just north of Montgomery. It's an event that he had run before and said he wouldn't do it again because there were too many twists and turns, but by God, he did it anyway. Way to go, Chris. And that wraps up Saturday. Moving on to Sunday. Amy, Amy had a great time. Amy ran the Route 66 Ultra Marathon. Now, it was 22 degrees at the start. Said there were lots of bands, cheerleaders, and lots of shots. She said, along the race, uh, the run goes along the Arkansas River. The section is beautiful. In this race, she met an inspiring pacer, a fellow named Tom Perry, who was running his, and catch this, 625th marathon. Wow. Tom has stage four prostate cancer, and he is still running marathons. That is pretty inspiring. Amy ran the detour to the center of the universe for an extra three-tenths of a mile and therefore has now finished her first ultra. Yeah, baby. That's, that's the way to run an ultra. Twenty, Not 26.2, but 26.5. It's more than a marathon. It's an ultra. Uh, wants to give a shout-out to her friends, Roseanne, Alice, Tara, April, and Tyree said, couldn't have finished this training and the marathon without her amazing friends. I, Amy, it sounds, it really, I was paying attention all weekend. Sounds like a great weekend. Also at that race, I think, I think just the marathon, Carrie, I, I saw a beautiful picture of Carrie, a photo of her with the baby in the medal, but I don't think she ran the ultra. I think she just ran the marathon. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if she did the extra three tenths of a mile. Also at Route 66, and this was in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I think I left that out. Uh, also running Anna. I saw some finishers' photos. Anna ran the half marathon, her seventh time there. Sounds like a good event. Sounds like they had a lot of fun. We talked about the Philly weekend. We talked about the half on Saturday. The Philadelphia marathon was on Sunday. Brianna did that. Brianna called this a revenge race. It's her fourth marathon, and I'm not sure exactly what she meant by revenge, but I get the idea when I read that she posted a PR of nearly an hour. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think this is one where she didn't go into detail, but I think this is one where maybe Brianna did it and didn't go quite as well as she wants to. She came back and kicked some butt. She says it was literally everything I wanted out of a race. Next stop, Walt Disney World in January. Sarah also was at the Philly Marathon. And Sarah, I if you posted anything, I missed it. I'm sorry. I tried so hard. It's been a busy week, and I'm trying to catch everybody. I hate it if somebody posts things and I miss them. Also want to shout out our friend uh, Michael over at Runs the Small World. Yeah. Uh, also yeah, ran okay. the Philly Marathon as well, too. And I want to say he got on a plane as soon as he was done to fly back to Atlanta. So... That that's that's mighty impressive, but uh, congratulations, Michael. 
It is, it is. But that's good practice for, isn't Michael fixing to do the uh, World Oh, that's right. That, that is very good yeah. practice. <laughs> yeah, so finishing a marathon, getting on an airplane, that's good practice. Congratulations, Michael. That's neat. Uh, where are we at? We're back in Florida, back in Claremont, Florida. If we're in Claremont, if we're in Little Rock, it must be Joe. If we're in Claremont, it must be Margaret. Margaret, because one, one turkey trot is not enough. She ran the Turkey Trot 5K in Claremont. Because one race a weekend is not enough. This was her second race of the weekend. And even last minute, and this was a last minute run for Margaret, she had a race-themed outfit, of course. Kayla was also at that run. Kayla said it was chilly for Florida, and it was. on. I don't know what it was like in Central Florida. On Sunday on the West Coast here, it was windy and rainy. It was not a pleasant day. Uh, I hope they didn't have any rain over there. I saw photos. I don't think they did. Uh, Kayla said there was lots of sand on the course. They ran through some farmlands and trails, but she had a good time also. In Greenwood, Indiana, Jeff ran the Frosty Paws 5K. Another chilly morning. Jeff won the age group, the age group that he described as 50 to death. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Greg. Jeff, I'm in that age group too, but... I'm a little further to one end of it than you are. Uh, I hate it. I hate it when they cut them off at 50. I got no chance, no chance whatsoever. In Hawthorne, Florida, the cupcake half marathon, Mary, this is Mary's second run of the weekend. Mary ran the endless trail, endless summer trail 10 K on Saturday. On Sunday, she ran the cupcake half marathon, a catered training run, which is the way to do it. If you have to do long runs, do these organized things so you don't have to carry your own stuff and it's provided for you. She met a new friend on this run and shared the rise and run podcast with her and wrapping up the race report for this weekend in Medina, Ohio, the run Santa run 5k. Lori did that one. Lori was thinking about the fall classic half marathon near Cleveland, but the weather was brutal. And I, I imagine it probably was near Cleveland. So she scratched that one, added this one, said it was fun. If running at 17 degrees can be considered fun. 17 degrees. I didn't know it went that low. I take it back. I used to live in Alaska. Anyway, um, we were talking about hand and toe warmers in last episode. Lori used the hand and toe warmers to get through this run at 17 degrees. Good for her. Hey, a reminder, we really consider the race report your part of the episode. We love hearing from you. We love the reports that you generate. I would encourage you, and I may put some information on our social media. If you can, when you finish, grab your phone, press the join the conversation link, and leave us a little 30 seconds or so, a little description of how the race went for you. So you don't have to hear me goof it up all the time. And you can get it right. We'd love it if you could do that. All right, my friend, episode 59 coming to a close. Once again, we want to wish you and your family a wonderful Thanksgiving. Finish that turkey trot. Have a wonderful time with family. If you're going to be out there in Cocoa Beach, I look forward to seeing you in Space Coast Weekend. My friend, and if you run, you know you are our friend. We look forward to the next time that we meet. Until then, happy running. Happy running.
Rise and Run podcast discusses general information about Run Disney and is in no way affiliated with Run Disney or the Walt Disney Company. Any information or advice discussed on this podcast should not be considered medical advice and should always consult with your healthcare provider or event organizer.